You can grab a seat. How you doing tonight, church? You awake? You alive? Thank you. Always alive. Fantastic. What a great church here in Dunedin. Amen. How about we give it up for God one more time? Put our hands together. Well, we have had a great time over the last couple of days getting to know Dunedin a little bit, seeing some of the sights. And um, thanks, guys. Fantastic. Um, just seeing what, what's in this town or this city. Good stuff. Today we went to see some seals and some penguins. There was one, but, uh, <laughs> but we saw one, so that was cool. We enjoyed that. And uh, glad that it's a little bit warmer today. Who's glad it's a little bit warmer? Amen. 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 Fantastic. Well, just to let you know, um, I don't know if you're new to this church or have been in this church, you know, a significant length of time, but God's doing great stuff right around the world, um, uh, you know, especially, I believe, right now through Equippers and uh, just not only in New Zealand, but globally and in Europe, uh, just what's happening right now. Um, in London, um, just to let you know, we, we originally started off with one um, location in London, which Pastor Bruce Monk pioneered. And um, I joined that, ch that church about 14, 15 years ago. Um, I, I moved to London. I was working as an airline pilot and um, was flying for British Airways and joined the, the church in London. And, and it wasn't long before I started to think, man, this is something I really want to be part of. And, uh, and so I started to become more passionate about church than my day job. Anyone ever feel like that? And, um, and then the, kind of the tipping point came when uh, I was asked, would I come and, and be part of the team? And so, so uh, I trained with Bruce uh, for a couple of years. Um, then we started a church in the city center of London. So we had one in West London, one in the city center of London. Um, and... Uh, Consequently, Bruce, or subsequently, Bruce moved back to New Zealand. I took over leading the church in London. So we had two campuses, and uh, that's in the days when Willie and Desiree were around, and uh, Willie was heading up our production team, um, which uh, basically meant getting up really early on a Sunday morning, packing a truck, driving it to church, setting up church in the west of London, uh, packing it all down into a truck, driving into the city, uh, which could take anything from 40 minutes to an hour and a half, depending on traffic, setting up for the second time that day, uh, having church, packing down, back into a truck, and out into storage at the end of the night. Woo! Aren't you glad you got your own building? You are. You should be. You should be really happy. Um, and so uh, I still saw the churches uh, grow, and, uh, and then in the last kind of six months, last year, um, many of you know Pastor Peter Prothero, who was part of our location in West London, uh, left us to go and take on uh, a church that had been a really good church, um, but had been through a time of struggle. And just over the last number of years, seen significant growth through that church, and uh, Peter's always been part of our team, had the same oversight, had the same heartbeats, had the same values, just didn't really have the same church name, and, uh, and he realized that was stupid. And uh, so about six months ago, uh, became equippers, and so now in London, we have one church in three locations, and uh, getting around about a thousand people um, gathering as a church right now, so God's doing great things, but a thousand people in a city of around about eight to ten million is not a lot of people. Uh, so we've got a lot of work to do. So keep us in your prayers. And um, yeah, just always need people praying for us. So we'd, we'd appreciate that. If you've got a Bible tonight, um, why don't you go to the book of 2 Kings? 
2 Kings. I've got Willie's Bible tonight, Pastor Willie's Bible. So you're going to feel an extra something. I don't know what, but an extra something. <laughs> uh, 2 Kings uh, chapter 4. And just a, just a cool cool passage. I'm going to read it in a minute. I normally um, preach this in a kind of a different way, uh, but tonight I, I felt like God wanted to talk to us. Um, and if you're writing notes and want to write down a title or a thought, I felt like God wanted to talk to us tonight and have a conversation um, about the sound that's coming out of our lives. The sound that's coming out of our lives. I don't know if you were here on Sunday night. Wave at me if you were here on Sunday night. Um, uh, you would have heard me tell the testimony of when my second son was born. And I just talked about uh, what is more important in our lives often than the words we say, but the sound that comes out of our lives. And I reckon that is really important in life. You know, we can be saying one thing with our lips, but our lives can be declaring something absolutely differently. And the sound that comes out of our lives is incredibly uh, important. When Bruce was uh, pastor in the church in London, he used to use this phrase that I didn't understand for a couple of years, and then one day it kind of clicked and I got what he was saying. I don't know if you've heard this phrase, but whenever we were dealing with somebody maybe difficult or challenging in the life of the church, uh, sometimes he would, he would use this phrase. He'd say, wow, uh, that person's got a wine in the diff. Wave at me if you understand what that phrase means, about a quarter of a wine in the dip. And, and so what it means is, you know, he came from an agricultural background, was that, you know, when he was operating farm machinery or a tractor, that he's, as he was driving along, that sometimes, you know, in the differential uh, part of, of, the, of the machinery, there would be this whining sound. And so when he was driving down the road, as the car was moving, there'd be this, how many think that's a pretty awful noise? Just, so if you're driving along, you just hear this. And basically, what he was saying is that sometimes when we talk to people, we may not know exactly what the problem is, but you can hear a sound coming out of their life that's like a whine. Does anybody know anyone like that? Don't look left or right right now. <laughs> Does anybody know anyone like that? Um, you know, maybe a family member, I don't know, maybe someone uh, uh, in your e-group, um, surely not. Uh, maybe, um, maybe someone, and, it, and it's like they may be saying something with their lips, but the sound that's coming out of their lives is like a whine. Do you know what I'm talking about? And the sound of our lives is so, is so powerful. If you go back to the Old Testament and you think about the Israelite people, and God is so gracious to them because he sends Moses to lead them out of slavery. And so they come out of this place of bondage, and they have this very short walk through the wilderness to come to the place of God's provision. But if you remember, they just moan and they whine, and they complain. I reckon if Moses had the terminology, he'd say, God, these people have a whine in the diff. And, and the sound that came out of their lives was incredibly negative, and was complaining, and was frustrated. And the incredible thing we learn from that story is, because of the sound of their lives, uh, not lining up to what God wanted it to be, they actually never inherited what God had for them. At least that generation of people never did. So it's not just that the sound of our lives uh, needs to be positive um, just you know, because it's a nice thing. Actually, there are some things in our inheritance that God has for us that we will not walk into if the sound of our lives 
is not what God would have it. You know, as a church, um, there is a sound coming out of this church right now. There's a sound. And the truth is, on the journey of any church, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's less than good. And I'm not here to judge what the sound of this church is from what I've be, I hear and what I've you know, experienced. There's a great sound coming out, but we have to make sure that the sound remains in line with what God has for this church in order for us to inherit what he wants us to inherit. It's interesting when, when Willie said, you know, uh, um, let's prophesy. Um, I was ready. I don't know about you. I was ready. He didn't pick on me. I was disappointed, but I was ready to prophesy. And here's what I would prophesy. Uh, I would prophesy multiplication. And I'd prophesy increase. And I, and I love the gentleman who came down at the end and, and spoke about a wave of God coming because I believe that God does want to bring multiplication into this location. I think addition is good and we need addition, but multiplication is far better than addition. And I reckon the sound of our lives ought to be faith for multiplication, not just faith for addition. But the question is, do we have that sound rising up as a people? You know, the other thing, which is really interesting, yesterday um, uh, we were in Auckland for uh, just a gathering of, of uh, Crippers pastors around the nation, and we were talking about different things. And one of the things we talked about is, is um, you know, do we really believe in the, the mission of Equippers, which is to equip people so that people would go out and do the ministry and the work that God has called them to do? So if you've been in this church a while or if you're new to this church, one thing we do not believe is that the minister or the professional minister is called to do all the work, but our role is to help equip people to go and do the ministry wherever you are called to be. And it's interesting when it comes to the sound of what we're called to be, um, the sound of this church is made up by the sounds of every individual sat here tonight. So, so the sound is not the sound I'm making or the sound that Pastor Willie's making. The sound is the sound that you're making and the na- your neighbor is making and the person in front of you is making and the person behind you is making. And together, the sound makes up the sound of this church. So, so you know, put it like this. I don't know if you've ever asked the question. You know, sometimes people come to me and they'll say, uh, what, ki- what type of church is this, say, in London? What type of church is this? You know, is this a generous church? And the answer is, um, are you generous? I'm generous. Are you generous? Oh, you're generous too. Well, I guess we're a generous church then. <laughs> or people will say, uh, you know, is this one of those enthusiastic churches? Well, I'm enthusiastic about the things of God. Are, are you enthusiastic about the things of God? Oh, you are. Well, I guess we're an enthusiastic church then. Are we a praying church? Well, I pray. Do you pray? Oh, you pray too. Well, I guess we're a praying church. See, here's the thought. We are who we are. <laughs> You're like, wow, that's deep. <laughs> it actually is. Uh, we are who we are. In other words, we are not the sound that comes off this platform. We are what we are all individually added together. And by the grace of God, he multiplies it and increases it and amplifies it. Uh, but, But we have to be part of the answer 
and not observers to what God is doing right now. We are who we are. (laughs) So the sound of this church is made up by your sound and 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 your sound. And together, there is a sound that is rising that God looks upon and blesses when it's in line with what he wants to do. Amen? Uh, Let's just read this together. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. Um, Elisha and the woman from Shunem. It says, One day, Elisha went to the town of Shunem. A wealthy woman lived there, and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. She said to her husband, I'm sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. Then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. And uh, we'll just drop down a few verses. Where should we go to? Uh, No, let's stop there for a moment. Uh, and so, so here's the story. You have this lady who we don't know her name. The Bible doesn't tell us her name. It just tells us that she comes from a town called Shunem. And uh, she's married to a significant man. And, and, and she sees this guy who journeys across the country going to different places. And something within her heart says, I want to do something for that man. I want to do something for him. And, and, and so the Bible says that it starts off that she just prepares a meal for him. And so she invites him in, prepares a meal for him. Uh, the Bible says before long, every time he passes through that town, he's stopping at her house to enjoy the meal. Uh, because uh, if you're a man here, how many of you know we, we like eating? And so he finds a place that's got good food And so every time he passes through that town, he says, I'll stop there. And then one day the lady says, you know what? I don't just want to feed this man good food. I actually want to make space in my life for him and space in my house for him so that any time he comes through this land, he has a place to lay his head. And if I was preaching this message the way I would normally preach it, I would use this title. I would talk about making room for one more about making room for one more. I believe that if we are to do what God has called us to do, every one of us needs to be making room for at least one more person in our lives. You might say, well, I'm full up. No, you're not. (laughs) I'm full up. I've got enough friends. I'm happy right now. I don't need to create any more space. When you're a parent and God gives you a child and then the next one comes along, Uh, You don't love the second child any less than the first child. He increases your capacity to love, so you love the second one as much as the first one. I've got four children, so I've tested this theory uh, over and over again, and we love the fourth one as much as the third one, as much as the second one, as much as the first one, because God increases your capacity to love so that you love all of them with all that you have. And so when it comes to the people in the city, the people in your lives, the people in your university, the people in your workplace, God is actually looking for you to create space within your life to embrace more people in that are currently here right now. 
Listen, if God brings multiplication to this church, the only way that people will stay is when they find a whole bunch of people that have a generosity of spirit that are able to embrace a whole bunch of new people. Doesn't matter how many people come through the door, if they don't find people who have bigness of spirit to embrace them, they'll just go and look for somewhere else to find acceptance. So the challenge for us as as leaders and as key people within this church is, is to have a capacity and a mindset that says, I'll create space for more. And so here's this lady, um, she, she has these incredible sounds coming out of her life. The first sound that she has coming out of her life is, is this sound of discernment. She recognizes this man is not like anyone else, but he is a man of God, and the sound of discernment comes out. But here's the second sound that I really like, is, is you find uh, the sound of generosity. The sound of generosity. You know, generosity is not just how much you'll put in the offering bucket on a Sunday. I know we don't take up offering buckets in this church, but, you know, but it's not how much we just financially give. Generosity is, is a sound. And one thing I love about your pastors is they have the sound of generosity. How many of you know that's true? They have the sound of generosity. And we need to develop the sound of generosity in our lives because it is incredibly attractive to the world in which we live. And so here's what this lady does. Um, She doesn't just say, let's take up an offering for him. She says, first of all, let's start with a meal. How many of you know a meal can be a powerful place to start with people? (laughs) When was the last time you invited someone into your home? Wave at me if you've done that recently. (laughs) Uh, A little challenge tonight. Uh, Come on, let's be generous in our home. By the way, I don't know if you realize this, but one of the biblical definitions of eldership or or people that carry oversight within a church is the ability to open their home and give hospitality. And so actually, uh, one one of the maturity that comes through the life of a believer is when we are good at hospitality. Hospitality is not for the hospitality team. Hospitality is actually a requirement on each of us to show hospitality, not only to one another, but hospitality to the world. And and so there's this sound of hospitality in her life. And and then notice what she does. She says to her husband, not only do I want to give him my food and and create nice meals for him, I actually want to build him a room. How amazing is that? She wanted to build him an extension on her house. Let me ask you, uh, if, I, if I come back to Dunedin three, four, five times a year, would you build me an extension on your house? <laughs> would you build me an extension? That's what happened. This man is journeying through her ta- town, and, and she has so much generosity in her life. She says, I won't just feed him. Man, I, I'm, I'm actually going to create space physically within my house to accommodate him. Well, I'm not asking you tonight to build an extension, so don't worry. <laughs> not asking you to build an extra room on your house. But I am saying that the sound of generosity is incredibly attractive. It's incredibly attractive. And, 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 and so she opens up her home, and, and she builds this room for him. And then listen to what she does. This is really cool. She puts four different things in his room. Verse 10, she says, let's build a small room for him on the roof. 
And then let's furnish it with four things, a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. I reckon all of those things are a sound that we can reproduce. Here's the first one. Uh, The first thing she does is she puts a, a bed in his room, a bed in his room. For me, a bed represents a place of rest. How many of you love resting in your bed? <laughs> so much. On a cold winter's day, uh, so much. Uh, a bed is a, is a, is a place of, of, of rest, a, a, a place to relax, a place to recuperate. And she, so the first thing she says is, not only will I uh, build a room for him, but I will put a bed in there so that he has a place to rest whenever he comes to my house. So here's the deal. Every time he comes... He leaves more rested than when he arrives. Now, I don't know about you, but I know people that when I spend time with them, I leave more tired than when I arrived. Can I get a witness? Uh, You know, I'm feeling good, and then I spend a little time with them, and then I feel exhausted. I remember having this one guy in London, and he, he, he was in my connect group and my e group, and and I remember doing a connect group with him, and, and, and every time he'd turn up, he would just talk incessantly. I know no one's got like that in their group. He would talk incessantly for an hour and a half, you know, just not interested in anyone else. He would just air his problems and his challenges, you know, straight for an hour and a half. And, and I got to the point where I was just so sick and tired of listening to this guy. And I, I took him out for a coffee and I sat him down and he was just about to launch uh, into his whole tirade of how uh, challenging his life was. And I stopped him and I said, hey, we're friends, aren't we? And he said, oh, yeah, we're friends. And I said, well, you know, what friends do is they have a conversation. One talks and then one listens. And we engage and we find out what's happening in one another's eyes. And he's nodding to me. And I said, the problem we have is you don't let anyone talk. You just talk at people for an hour and a half. And I didn't say this, but I was thinking, the sound of your life is incredibly tiring right now, and I don't really want to hang around it too much, uh, but, but maybe we can work on this thing together. I didn't say that last bit, but maybe we can work on this thing together. And he looked at me and nodded, and I thought, fantastic, he's got it, and then he just launched into another hour and a half of straight talk, and I thought, I tried at least, I tried. How many of you know, uh, the house of God is meant to be a place of rest, Our lives are meant to be places of rest so that when people come and spend time with us, they leave more rested than when they arrived. Jesus' life was a place of rest. The reason people loved hanging out with him is there was a sound of rest in his life. And I believe that the church of Jesus needs to be a place of rest, not a place that is driven or is whipped into doing something, it's meant to be a place of rest. One of the things we've got to get good at sometimes is just letting people come and sit for a while in church. Now, I know that we want people working, and we want people motivated, and we want people engaged, but you've got to understand, sometimes God will bring people in here who just need to sit for a while. And we've got to be big enough as people to say, you know what, that's not the ultimate destination for their lives. And we believe that they'll engage and we believe that they'll connect. But maybe right now they just need to feel rest. They just need to feel rest. 
And so the sand uh, that we've got to see is the sand of rest. The second thing that she places in the room is a table. Is a table. Here's what I reckon the table represents. And uh, I reckon it represents the place of fellowship. The place of fellowship. I don't know about you, I have this theory that when people come to my house for dinner, the best place to stay is around the table. And when we leave the table to go to the sofa or the couch, it's like, oh, we lost something there. Does anyone else ever feel like that? There's something about sitting around a table and engaging with another person that's incredibly powerful. Uh, if you go out for coffee, what do you do? You get a coffee and normally you sit across a table. Last night, my wife and I went out for dinner, and uh, we didn't just put it on our laps and, and stare at the wall. We sat around a table, and we engaged, and we talked, amen? And, and it represents this, this place of fellowship. And the second thing, or one of the things that I reckon has to be in the sand of our lives is the sound of fellowship, is the sound of connection. So on Sunday morning, isolation does not belong in the vocabulary of a believer. We are not meant to do Christianity independently. In fact, if you think that it's just about you and Jesus, you're actually doing life, I'm going to say this wrong, because God actually wants us to work together, be together, fellowship together, love one another together. And when people walk into our church, they've got to hear the sound of fellowship. They have to. Because if they don't see it and feel it, they'll go look for it somewhere else. One of the things we do in our church back home, and we've done this for years, and Willie and Desiree were there, and part of it is uh, we have a church in the city center of London, and uh, every Sunday after church, we would go, and we get to do this in the UK. I know you don't get to do this in New Zealand. It's a different culture, but we get to go to the pub. Yeah, and, uh, and it's, it's okay uh, in a British culture. Pubs are just not, you know, straight out drinking establishments. They are a place where people hang out, and it's very much part of the culture of people. And every Sunday night, and you know, still uh, many years later, 10, 12, 13, 14 years later, we will take a whole group of people out after church, and we will have fellowship with one another. Have fellowship. Now, I know we've got all different age groups in this church, but I look out and I see a lot of young people, and I see a lot of university age people, and, and the truth is, young adults are looking for fellowship. Well, not just young adults. Families are looking for fellowship. All ages are looking for fellowship. And so the sound of this church has got to be the sound of fellowship. Can I say something to you? If you're a leader in this church, your job does not finish at 11.30 when the service ends. <laughs> it doesn't. If the service starts at 5 and ends at 6.30, your job does not finish at 5.30 or 6.30 when the final song is finished and you get to walk out the door and go home. Our job only starts to kick in at that time because we are then there to have generosity of spirit to engage with people that they might find a home. The truth is, uh, as a preacher, you give of yourself when you preach. And, uh, uh, and the way I preach anyway, I put a lot of myself into it. And so sometimes at the end of a Sunday, the last thing I want to do is go and engage and give of myself to people some more. But the reality is if we want to have growing churches... We need people who know how to give of themselves so that others can find a resting place. 
Your job doesn't end if you're a leader in this church or you're part of this church. It doesn't end at the last song. <laughs> it doesn't end. That, that's when we get to work, amen? It's when we get to work, when we say, well, okay, now is the opportunity to allow the sound of fellowship to arise so that people can find a place to settle, amen? Here's the third thing. Um, talking straight to you tonight, I hope that's okay. Third thing tonight uh, that, that she places in the room is, uh, number one, she places a bed. Number two, she places a table. Uh, number three, she places a chair in the room. And, um, and the chair for me might mean something different for you, but the chair for me just represents a place for someone to sit and contemplate and meditate on what God is doing. When I turned 30, uh, my wife, uh, along with my mum and dad and some family members, bought me this really super cool, old school leather wing chair. It's cool. It's cool. And, and it's my chair. When I have leaders meetings at my house, sometimes some of the team try to sit in it. But they know, no, 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 that's my chair. No, I'm generous. I let them sit in it um, for a minute. Um, and... Uh, and I love it because I, I like sitting. Uh, this week, we've had the privilege of staying in a house that has just had the most unbelievable views out over the city. And, and to the left, we could see the harbor. And to the right, we've got the ocean. And it's just been the most incredible view. And, um, and, and, and I have loved sitting and looking and just meditating on what God is doing. I reckon the sound of a growing church is people who love spending time meditating on what God is doing, spending time in His presence, spending time in fellowship with Him, spending, spending time just enjoying God. One of the things that I've loved about um, being here on Sunday and being here tonight is, is, is you guys have something that not everybody has, and, and what you have is the presence of God, and the reason you have the presence of God is you have leaders who know how to steward it and manage it. Many places that I've been to, um, it's, it's not that God doesn't want to be there. It's that they don't know how to manage and steward His presence. And so it's kind of just awkward. Anyone ever been in an environment like that? But, but here is the presence of God. And, and I reckon the sound in a person's life that loves Jesus is someone who loves the presence of God. Loves the presence of God. Uh, I reckon, and, and I say this with all humility, that... I could stand on any platform and bring the presence of God simply because I know how to do it in my room when no one else is watching. <laughs> I know how simply just to lift my hands in my room. Do you know, I, I got filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit uh, in my room by myself. No preacher, no band, no atmosphere, just me simply saying, God, I can see it in the scriptures. There's more. I haven't experienced it yet. I'm asking you to come and fill me, Holy Spirit. And he did. <laughs> so, so listen, what we do in private is so important to the sound of what happens corporately. Oftentimes people will say to, to me in London, you know, as a church, well, 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 what are we doing about this and what are we doing about that? And I try to explain to people, uh, what are you doing about it? Because we are who we are. Are we praying as a church? Well, I'm sure we do pray corporately on occasions. I don't know how often or in what context. But are you praying individually? Because the sound of your life needs to be one of prayer. 
It needs to be one of the presence of God. And, and here's the deal. If we can manage and, and, and steward it in our own time, when we bring that together, the sound gets amplified and something amazing happens. I'm looking forward to coming back here and this room just being absolutely jam full of people who have the sound of generosity and the sound of fellowship and the sound of the presence of God because it's amplified as we come together. But man, we've got to learn how to do it on our own as well. We can have an incredibly corporate environment that's powerful, but we need to know how to do it individually as well. And so she places this chair in his room, and, and the final thing she places in his room is, is this lamp, is this lamp. And, and so she places this lamp in his room, which to me just represents, of course, the light of Christ. And, and I reckon the sound of our lives needs to have the sound of Jesus in the middle of it. it needs to have the sound of Jesus. You say, well, that's obvious. Yeah, it is obvious. But how often do we talk about Jesus in our day-to-day lives. How often? Do you know, the world believes in God, but the world doesn't believe in Jesus. I, I have a mum uh, who is an amazing lady. She is a force of nature. Uh, you know, she's just a whirlwind. And, and, and growing up, she would hugely embarrass me and my four other siblings because she is the type of lady who will tell anyone about Jesus anywhere, anytime. Does anybody know anybody like that? <laughs> anytime. It doesn't matter. You know, you're at the supermarket checkout. There's a queue behind you. You think you should keep moving. If she gets a whiff of an opportunity to talk about Jesus, she is in there. She is in there. And I used to be so embarrassed growing up thinking, oh, my gosh. It's so embarrassing. She's talking about Jesus again. <laughs> and now I think, awesome. Now I think, man, I want to be more like that. I want to be someone when they say, what is Mark Collard's life all about? Uh, they'll say, well, it's not about that he's a preacher and it's not that he's this and he's that. He, he's just a guy who is in love with Jesus. The sound of his life is the sound of Jesus. When you look at his home, you hear the sound of Jesus. When you look at his children, you hear the sound of Jesus. Come on, I ask you right now, what's the sound of your life? Is it the sound of Jesus right now? Because we can have a whole lot of negative sounds to our life. We can have the sound of disappointment. We can have the sound of confusion. We can have the sound of defeat. But I reckon we need to work on the sound of our lives sounding like the sound of Jesus. As we were driving along today um, in the car and we were following Willie and Des and, and Monica and I got talking and I knew what I was, felt like I wanted to talk about tonight and, and, and I said to Monica, I asked her the question, I said, hey, wh- what do you think the sound of my life is? What do you reckon the sound of my life is? And, and, and she said, kind of first response was, well, I think the sound of your life is faith. And, uh, and that's probably true. That's probably what I feel like. God has, me, has given me to steward is faith. But as I dug a little deeper, I said, okay, I get the overall sound, but, but let's go a little bit deeper for a second. What's the sound like when it comes to our children? What's the sound of my life like at home? Not when I'm preaching on a platform, but when I'm sat around the table with you. What's the sound like? And, and we started to open up, and she said to me, well, what's my sound? And how can my sound improve? And 
Where does my sound need to change? And, and we had this amazing conversation, and, and, and we started to open up and, and realize that there were areas of our life where the sound was incredibly good, but yet there were areas in our lives where the sound needed to be adjusted and needed to change. I want to say tonight that the sound of your life may overall be good, but I guarantee it there's areas in our lives where the sound just needs to be adjusted a little bit. It needs to be adjusted. It's like the guy sitting at the back, Luke, doing the sound tonight. It's like as it started off from the platform, probably overall it was pretty good. And, and then he would have picked up things in his ears as he listened carefully that just needed a little adjustment. Well, I believe tonight that, that God just wants to speak to you about the sound of your life. And tonight, I reckon that already the Holy Spirit has been speaking to people here, but just for five minutes, I want to create just an environment. Maybe the guy in keys could come again. Sorry, Mr. Keyboard Player, I forgot your name again. Sorry. And um, I reckon tonight that, that God just wants to create an environment where he can speak to you about the sound of your life. Here's a brave thing to do. Um, how about one day going to someone you really trust? Not to any person. Don't go, to your, don't go to your next door neighbor or don't go to the person you're six next, sitting next to at university lectures just because they're there. Go, go to someone you really trust and say, hey, what's the sound of my life right now? What's the sound of my life? And, and no doubt they, they'll, they'll give you something incredibly positive and they'll say, man, I, there's a sound that's coming out of your life that's this or it's that. But, but then start to say, okay, well, well, what are the areas of my life where the sound just needs a little adjustment? And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you if He hasn't spoke to you already tonight. And I know as I do, He will speak. And then I want to give you an opportunity to respond to what He tells you. He might show you something positive. He might say, man, that's the sound of your life. And you might say, wow, I didn't realize that. I'm going to run with that and I'm going to major that thing in my life. Like I said, when I asked my wife, what's the sound of my life? She said, faith. And I know that's true. And that's something I work on and develop and always want to take it to a new place in God. But then also sometimes the Holy Spirit will just whisper to us and you'll say, man, that doesn't sound good. You ever found yourself saying something and you knew straight away that didn't sound good? <laughs> or thinking something and realizing, man, I, that didn't sound good. Well, in order for us to be the people that God wants us to be, we are who we are, the sound of our lives needs to be pure, needs to be holy. And I reckon God is always wanting to adjust and bring transformation to our lives. How about just jump into your feet really quickly? And just lifting your hands just in the presence of God tonight. Holy Spirit, I, I thank you for this incredible group of people. I thank you that you're speaking to them right now. Lord, I know that there are some people in this room that the sound of their life is confusion. Just with every eye closed for a minute. If that's you, you say, Mark, my, I feel like I'm confused. 
If I really listen to the sound that's coming out, it's confusion. Confused about who I am. Confused about where I'm going. Confused about what I'm doing. It's like the sound is confusion. Would you wave at me for just one moment? Because I really want to pray for you. Fantastic. Great. Just stick them up nice and high. Quite a lot of people tonight. I want to tell you tonight that it's not the will of God for the sound of your life to have the sound of confusion. But He wants to bring a sound of clarity. He wants to bring a sound of faith to your life. Holy Spirit, I pray that in this moment, every person responding with a sound of confusion, I'm asking that you remove it right now. I'm asking that you bring clarity to people's thinking and clarity to people's vision tonight. Holy Spirit, speak to people so clearly in this moment. For some of you, it's just going to be one word. Some of you right now are just going to get one word that's going to bring incredible clarity where there's been confusion. Just listen. Just listen right now. God's just going to drop a word. And when you get it, you just need to say, thank you, Jesus, I receive it. Just the anointing of the Holy Spirit right now. bringing clarity into people's hearts. Come on, for everyone else, just remain in His presence right now. I believe there's people here, He wants to amplify your sound. He wants to amplify it. It's, it's like you've got something, but God wants to amplify it, wants to multiply it. I believe, Pastor Willie, that God wants to amplify the sound of your life. That what you've developed in the quiet place and what you've developed in different settings and different circumstances, that, that, that God says, I, I hear the sound of your life and I love it, but I'm going to breathe life into it to enlarge it. That the sound of it would go so much further than it's ever gone before. That in this next season, you'll be amazed as people come to you, they're drawn to you because of the sound that is emanating out of your life, out of Desiree's life. But God's going to turn it up. I, I, I just see the dial on an amplifier just being turned up. It's just being turned up right now. It's just being turned up right now. The sound is being turned up right now. Come on, how about all over this place just lifting hands? to our Heavenly Father tonight. I'm not going to be here much longer, but just want you right now to ask God, what's my sound, God? What's my sound, God? What's the sound of my life? What's the sound of my life? Even right now, the Holy Spirit's just, just showing people little areas that need a small shift. A small shift. It's not massive. It's not huge. It's just a small shift. 
Come on, for some of you, the sand of your life has been negativity. And God says, I can't use that. I can't work with that. I'm going to put the sound of faith in your heart. Come on, if that's you right now, you want to receive it, lift your hands and say, that's me. That's me. I, I don't want to be negative one day longer. Good on you, man. I want faith to fill my mouth. I want faith to fill my life. Come on, for some of you right now, making room for one more. The declaration of your mouth has been, I'm busy. I can't do anymore. I can't embrace anymore. But God wants to change that tonight. He wants the sound of your life to be one of generosity of spirit, generosity of time, generosity of love. I just see people tonight opening up their homes for the first time. There's people here, you've never invited someone into your home to sit around a table to talk about the things of God. But I'm telling you, God is going to use you if you would just take the step of obedience and start to invite in. I'm telling you, you're going to see unbelievable things happen in your home. You're going to see God turn up. You're going to see lives get changed. Come on, what's your sound tonight? Amen. What's your sound tonight? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for every life in this place. I thank you for every person. Lord, I thank you for the sound of this church will be the sound of life and faith and love and hope and possibilities. Lord, anoint these people, I pray. Lord, amplify and multiply the sound of this house so that, God, it would be reproduced in so many places and so many times. I believe out of this house, you will birth other great houses and they'll carry the DNA of this house. People will look and say, man, where do you get out? Well, it came out of here. It came out of the lives of people. It came out of the sound of a person's life. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pass back to Willie, but I want to give you the challenge. How about asking a leader, asking someone you trust, just say, what's the sound of my life? Be honest. I'm sure start with something good. If somebody asks you that question, start with something good, end with something good, and in the middle, just say, well, maybe you could think about this. Could you do that? <laughs> could we do that? Amen. I'm sure we could. Awesome. Awesome. Come on, let's give Pastor.